0: Like every song in the Troll soundtrack, they basically took all the songs that are like I think Sony songs that are all monster hits and just built a movie around it. Oh them. yeah. Can't Stop This Feeling, original oh, by Timber Like, yeah, four Can't Trolls. Stop This
1: Feeling is great. That's a really good one.
0: Uh, you have True Colors. Oh, true colors. Ariana Grande. What you working with. I mean, come on, it's it's out of control. Cause the Trolls movie, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> But the songs are good.
1: You're like, there's some holes. There's There's a couple senseless (laughs) holes,
0: yeah. Hello and welcome to Talking to Loud with Chris Savage. I'm your host, Chris Savage. Pretty cool. Uh well (laughs) excited to have you here today. I'm joined by Sylvie Lebeau. Lebeau, good to see you. Good to see you too, Chris. Um, and we are talking with guests about things that get me talking too loud, things that get them talking too loud, interesting creative entrepreneurial ventures, hard problems that people are solving, interesting takes on the modern world. It's an, it's an exciting <laughs> it's an exciting place to be. and we're, This show we're really glad.
1: runs the gamut. This show it runs, runs the gamut. gamut. It, it runs, runs
0: the gamut. The gamut. <laughs> and we're excited that you're here with us today. So Sylvie, is it true? That you are actually apartment hunting
1: right now? I am actually apartment hunting right now, which is like a super fun thing to be doing during the pandemic, let me tell you. Got my got my hand wipes, got my, my hand sanitizer, got like three or four masks that I'm just rotating through.
0: You're not just like double masking?
1: I'm not double masking. I, I was like, should I get one of those face shields? Have you seen those? <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, no, don't do <laughs> don't do that um is this
0: how it is normally in new york you're just like there's germs everywhere so you just (laughs) make sure that you double mask and get your face shield
1: you know there are definitely people who walk around new york with some like pretty serious germ repellent uh gear i i've always been like playing it fast and loose in new york i gotta say ride the subway hold on to that pole do Uh, i wash my hands when i walk into the restaurant i don't know I don't oh know. my gosh! Oh okay. god! No, I do. Okay, I do. I was just. Okay. Try- I was trying to. I was trying to be the cool kid, but I guess. Yeah. I don't.
0: I don't think being <laughs> cool is not washing your hands right You're now. You're
1: right. <laughs> I think
0: being cool You're is right. offering hand worst. sanitizer to everyone around you. No, um, I meant.
1: <laughs> i went pre-pandemic.
0: <laughs> okay. So, and then have you seen any cool spots? Any, anything opened up now that yeah. people are fleeing the city?
1: Yeah. I saw a cool spot yesterday. It's not the one, but it gave me hope that there that there is the one out there.
0: Why was it so cool?
1: It had a nice skylight. That uh, skylight, you know, oh. kind of, that gets me talking too loud. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Light That's a from skylight. above.
0: Yeah. Skylight. Little ventilation <laughs> in the ceiling.
1: Right? But you, friend, what has got you talking too loud these days?
0: You know, I am, I'm currently on Martha's Vineyard, which has been so nice and feels like there's trees around, which is just fantastic. And at my parents' house, my parents built this house like 30 years ago, and so we're, we're holed up here. But what has me talking too loud? Walking trails. <laughs> <laughs> It turns out that the whole time that this house has been here, there have been walking trails basically directly from the house that we have never, ever, ever used in my entire life. And it turns out that they are just absolutely beautiful, you know, walking through a forest with like, you know, red pine needles on the ground, walking through meadows, it's, it's been how, delightful.
1: How did you miss this fairy tale for your whole life?
0: I think because we would come out here and then we'd go do normal things like <laughs> go to the beach or to a restaurant or to a movie or whatever. And instead, we are at the house not gotcha. doing normal things. Gotcha, So you gotcha. just start wandering around and discovering this like elaborate network of beautiful walking trails. Never thought I'd say that. <laughs>
1: Elaborate network of beautiful walking trails. What have you discovered on these walking trails? I feel like your kids are, are going to go like Kids are crazy absolutely
0: loving it, yeah. especially because they get troll gummies. Uh, what are as an troll incentive. gummies? Oh, have you seen the movie Trolls? Yes. How many times have you seen it?
1: just the once but it was
0: <laughs> <laughs> you you've barely seen it <laughs> i th- my kids saw trolls the first time we came out here and they've probably seen it 40 times since oh. so yeah you get them on the walking trails and they don't want to keep going you have to have this this is the, you know ultimate parent trick is like well if you make it to that bend in the road up there you get one <laughs> troll gummy. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty exciting. And so you use that. It's like Hansel and Gretling your own kids like through the forest. <laughs> and it works. And so that's what they love about the walking trails is t- the troll gummy. So if oh we say, oh, God. do you want to go for a hike? They say, do- will there be troll gummies? And I say, yes.
1: I mean, I kind of want to try some. Not going to lie. If if you want to send me a care package.
0: Yep. Got it. Don't worry. It'll right. show up. It'll show up in your new Skylight apartment. <laughs> Great. Well, anyway, we're here because we have guests, not because you and I just talk about trolls, which (sighs) may be our new thing. And today's guest is Michelle Corey. Michelle is the CEO and founder of Frequency Media, which is a podcasting consultancy. Michelle's company has created podcasts for Coca-Cola, for Apple, for Salesforce, for tons of organizations. And she actually started the business less than two years ago. So this thing has been taking off. And I'm very excited to sit down with her and talk to her about what is going on in the world today, where podcasting is going, and uh, get some tips. Because Lebo, you're barely giving me any podcast tips. <laughs>
1: I'm not doing my job. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it.
0: Michelle, so nice to meet you. How are you today?
2: Uh, So nice to meet you, Chris. I'm good. I'm honestly just the little laughs that we've been having leading up to this has been, uh, I was going to say, more refreshing than my coffee, but let's not lie. Let's not start our relationship with lies. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention, I'm Colombian so I've been drinking coffee since I was born. I mean, I think it was just like part of the womb cycle. Um so yeah, no, that's not true. Do you drink hot coffee in the summertime? Just I do, quick. which is why I'm very hot right now, but um I I mean there's nothing like waking up to a hot cup of coffee, you know? Like it takes me a while to wake up in the morning anyway and There's so much shame around that because when you're an entrepreneur, you're told by so many different articles and thought leaders that waking up early is the only way to be successful and wealthy. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta get Which up at like, four. It doesn't count, right? Yeah, no. You have to wake up at three, take an ice cold shower, exercise for fourteen hours, and then take four more ice baths, and then never drink coffee, never do anything that's going to give you pleasure. That your is going to make you yeah. poor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Is this true? Is this something you've heard too, Chris?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot of weird kind of. Things in the startup land to try to make everyone feel like they're not extreme enough or, you know, not hustling enough. Like, and I think Mm -hmm. the hustle turned into like hustle, hustle, hustle turned into the only time to work is like early in the morning turned into like if you're not meditating and you're not having and you must have no caffeine and all there's, there's like a lot of like weird it's just it's constantly shifting what pe- everyone wants to make everyone else feel bad about and then also what the yeah. few people who do that thing try to say it's like their secret to success so yeah that's right that is that is how it is <laughs> people want formulas yeah. right
2: everyone wants a formula that they can follow that's going to guarantee they're going to become Oprah you know or Tony Robbins which is the the one I see all the time that's like, oh, Tony Robbins wakes up at 4 a.m., takes an ice-cold shower, literally, literally. yeah. And then, and you goes, know, he goes in the cryo chamber, too, I
0: think. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, the
2: cryo chamber. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I happen to be human, so those things make me feel pain. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's funny, the, the cryo chamber one, to me, for some reason, seems so insane. It's like yes. negative 200 degrees, you go into it for like three minutes, which what? I've never done, but I just like... That that was a one of those like those things that I'm like Should I do that? Like, could I do that? Like, would I be able to, would I survive that or not? Or like, is it just a trick? Is the whole thing a trick? By a
2: capsule into the moon? You know, you're like, that sounds insane, but I kind of want to do it because it sounds insane. But also, I'm not Walt Disney. I don't need to be preserved by a cryo chamber. (laughs) Like, I'm happy being mortal. I really am. Like, please, give me until 85 and I'm out. (laughs) I've done my time on Earth.
0: (laughs) Wow, we went there already. Okay. Yeah, we did. It's, um
2: this is what we're doing.
0: (laughs) So look, uh, Michelle, you and I have never met before, although it feels like I've known you for a long time somehow. (laughs) I don't know how that happened so fast. So Frequency is, is your podcasting company. You started it two years ago. Is that right? Less than two Less years than ago. Two years ago. Mm-hmm. And you are you've exploded. You're working with tons of brands, people know Coke, Sales Loft, all these folks. And I saw on your site that you described yourself as a first of its kind company that seeks to make high quality and intentional podcast production accessible to everyone.
2: Yes. Um, can you break right. down
0: that mission statement for me? Like what is intentional podcast production and how do you make it mm. more accessible?
2: I thank you for this question. Actually nobody ever asked me this. And it's such a intentional <laughs> We included intentional intentionally. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying that word over and over again. Yeah. That's my way of cryo chambering everybody's brain. So, you know, for me, I think the reason I, I started frequency was because I would look around and see all these people starting podcasts willy-nilly and so it's kind of this impulse creation that people are like oh I can record my voice I can put it out to the world and be done with it and I can like feel that sense of instant satisfaction or validation um, or getting to that end result and you know I believe in the power of sound to heal. I believe in the power of sound to enlighten, to uplift. That's our mission as a company, but it all started with my own belief in the physical properties of sound. And, you know, for me, not putting intention into this incredibly powerful tool means that you're releasing it willy-nilly. Not only that, so to bring it down to earth, that's like sort of the higher level. To bring it down to earth, What is your goal? Who are you talking to? What are you trying to get in return for this podcast? Like, are you trying to reach a new audience, um, generate brand awareness? Are you trying to sell your services? Are you, in fact, trying to educate people on a topic that's not known very well? Like, what are you trying to do? So what we preach (laughs) from the rooftops is just, it's amazing that you have this idea. So now pause. Pause and develop the idea. And we spend a lot of our time as a company putting out either free resources to help you do that, an online course, which during COVID times right now is free, That literally walks you through step-by-step how to put together a podcast development plan. And then, of course, when it comes to our actual clients, whether you have a production package or our full service, we spend a lot of time on the front end doing a ton of research and looking through the comparative landscape and and figuring out with your goals and your vision and then what's already out there, this is the kind of show that's going to be the best for everyone involved and thus the most sustainable.
0: Got it. And then when when you think about building podcasts with intention, it sounds like, you know, your company you've built with a lot of intention, and you've done it without the cryo chambers and the ice baths and stuff. And like, how did you how did you have the confidence to throw out all the I'm going to call it hustle porn? Like, how did you have, how did you have the confidence to just ignore it? Uh, that's so funny you call it that cuz I was
2: literally going to call it that earlier. Perfect. It is hustle porn and it is look I'm I am first generation American and I'm Latina. I was raised with hustle porn. We have that hustle mentality that is actually like rather destructive because we're told as especially as immigrant, the children of immigrants that like in America the way you make it is that you work your tail off just to survive. Like, so already the bar is set that you're gonna break your back to get a penny. And so even going into frequency, I do meditate, <laughs> not... Um, As do I, I just I med- so
0: that we're clear. We're, we're both shitting on it, but we both do it, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what
2: we're shitting on is extremism. Yes. We're yes. shitting on people who are like, you have to meditate every single day or you're a failure. Yeah. No, meditate when you can, when you want. I mean, with everything in life, you have to follow what feels right to you. You just have to. And so to very simply answer your question, I was born only being able to be who I am and I have a like a rebellious uh revolutionary spirit that's just I was born a rebel uh with a cause I have many causes (laughs) so many causes right now my cause is coffee (laughs) um but I was I'm a very rebellious spirit and so even when my mom being raised with etiquette Colombian etiquette she'd be like don't put your elbows on the table it's rude and I'd be like who says? Who made that rule? Where does that come from? You know, I don't just take things people say as the word of god.
0: That's just not who I am. You just question you question everything. You're a critical thinker.
2: I'm a critical thinker. I question everything and I make my own rules according to what feels right and clearly works for me.
0: Yeah, that's it's interesting cuz like for for us the early years we did try to do the like hustle 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 work crazy hours thing. And then when we didn't, you know, it took us a lot longer than it's taken you to grow. Um, and it when it wasn't as fast, but we were enjoying it, we're like, hmm, maybe the secret for us is actually like, how do we do this so it doesn't feel like hustling? Like, how do we do it oh so God, that it's yes. like, so that it's actually sustainable? And uh, that's been one of my core lessons over the years has been, it's actually like, if you work on hard problems for a long time, sometimes the secret is just the long time part. I agree completely. So- Switching back to podcasts a little bit because like, you know, we're I'm new to podcasts. I'm trying to learn about podcasts. I'm here at the expert. So you said this a little bit, but do, like so many people have ideas for podcasts. Do you think people just think that a podcast is easy? Why does everyone think they can have a podcast?
2: Oh my god, yes, yes. I mean, I think it's, it's, you can equate it to video. I mean, this is something you guys probably go through all the time. I think people think having a YouTube channel is easy until they try to do it, and they try to then do it well, and then it takes over their life. A podcast is very similar. It is production at the end of the day, you know, and if you want it to be good, And for instance, you have a brand and you want it to reflect your standing brand promise that you're making every single day and taking all this time to to care for so that it aligns with that brand promise, you know, slapping something together or recording it on Anchor and then just publishing it after recording it, a stream of consciousness thought or whatever it may be, is not aligning. So I think podcasting can be as easy as you want it to be. But there's a correlation between how much time you put into it and how good it's going to be. So the people who pour their hearts and souls into their podcasts and are working on them 20 hours a week are the ones who are really starting to stand out and you see them amass an audience and grow over time. So what Frequency tries to do is set expectations, right? I think the reason we push intentionality is because it makes you stop and think about all of the pieces and parts that it's going to take to make your vision and so, for instance, our course walks through, like, all of these different steps, and the people who, like, are like, holy crap, the beginning of that course really overwhelmed me. I'm like, good, good, because that means you're, you're thinking through all these different pieces and parts before you even start thinking about a microphone. Usually, the f- first thing people do when they think of a podcast is they buy a microphone, And we know that because microphones are fun. (laughs) Microphones (laughs) are awesome. We all want to
1: feel important. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I want a t shirt that says microphones are fun. I'm ready.
0: Well, yeah, and that's the same as video of like people like buy the nicest camera they can, and then they make something and it's crappy, and they're like, "Why is this so crappy?" I was like, "Well, you weren't, you didn't have a plan,
2: right?" (laughs) That the microphone is like one small tool in the entirety of a production. You know, it's—I mean, it's not small. I'm sorry,
0: (laughs) apologizing (laughs) to my microphone. Yeah, not in front of the sure mic. Yeah, (laughs) not in front of the shores. (laughs) (laughs) And you at frequency have done some really interesting projects with companies like Coke. Like you mm-hmm. you've produced this podcast called Total Refresh. How does that happen and then how do you mm-hmm. think about it as someone who is making podcasts for so many, you know, different large brands?
2: Truly, it's about authenticity. And so for us, you know, with Coca-Cola, it was this really fascinating experience and continues to be by the way because we're moving into season 2 production and let me tell you Coca-Cola is one of those companies I never thought we would be able to do the kinds of things that we're doing with. And one of the first things I told them was, okay, you guys are, are telling me that you want to get radically honest and radically transparent with your employees. I'm going to hold you to that. What you don't know, Coca-Cola, is that I'm the one person on earth <laughs> who will make sure that happens, and I will push you to make sure that happens because I'm so invested in your employees getting a level of honesty that they've never gotten before because that is extremely important to me in capitalism altogether, but also because I believe that it's going to make a better show, period, and I'm here for the the good quality shows, right? And so we ended up getting Best Podcast from Reagan Communications because the result was, which is an internal communication um, association.
0: Congratulations.
2: Thank you. That was very exciting. I didn't think I cared about awards until I Until you, you win one. And then no, I was I know like, that is. <laughs> hi, I'm Michelle. I'm an award-winning producer of an yeah. award-winning podcast. I have yeah. an award-winning <laughs> company.
1: <laughs>
2: I don't care about awards, yeah. but just in case you were wondering, we're award-winning. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know my ego got real crunchy yeah. on that one. Um, but but we got it because the executive leaders across Coca-Cola North America were on this podcast showing sides of themselves they had never shown before. Like we had to unmedia train them to be on the podcast, you know, and they were so open to it. And they were, the, the executive leaders themselves were so refreshed by their own
0: authenticity. Yeah, that's amazing. So here's a question. I mean, I think it's, it's so funny you say you had to unmedia train them to get them to be their authentic <laughs> selves, because like my yeah. experience has been, you know, I, over time ended up having to do much more media and more interviews and more videos or whatever became media trained. But that mm-hmm. meant that there was always this like distance between who I really am and like the, the message I'm trying to get across. And it's then so well put and then yeah, and the way what one of the big things about this podcast for me is trying to remove as much of that as possible trying to just like because it's it's too hard to do otherwise. Like, yes. it, right? Like I can't you're doing a great job. No, thank though. you. Thank like, you.
2: This is clearly authentically you.
0: You just came into this podcast we've never met before. And it's uh-huh. it's it's very clear to me instantly that it's just you. Like there's no filter. Yes. You're just saying what's popped in <laughs> yes. the best way possible. You're just saying like yeah. what's pops into your head and like sharing those yeah. feelings. How do people get comfortable doing that? How do you help someone do that? Because I feel like that is like, it's the secret to a lot of the stuff, which is really scary too, to, to put out what you really think and to put it out where you're going to mm-hmm. way more depth and there's way more nuance. Like how did you get so comfortable being yourself? And then how do you encourage mm-hmm. others? to do that?
2: Mm, Such good cues. Um, So, well, the first thing is that I, I, it goes back to the fact that I don't know how to be anybody else, but there actually is a very definitive answer to this question. And it's that I was in theater when I was little. So I have been on stage in front of microphones since I was little And that was my mom's way of coping with the fact that I was a terror. (laughs) I don't know if you could believe it, but I was kind of a troublemaker. Um,
1: (laughs) No, it doesn't (laughs) seem possible.
2: (laughs) We've met for four minutes, and you're already like, yep, (laughs) checks out. Um, So she put me in theater, and that was where a lot of my creative energy came out. And so I have theater training. And actually, that is what I recommend for people. Number one, just start. You're not going to be good as a host to start. You're not going to be great, in other words. You might be good, and there are tips that we can provide that's like, okay, don't interrupt. Don't do a lot of verbal yeses or mm-hmms. Just like nod your head, let the person speak, <laughs> you know, like Sylvie is doing right now. Dang, she's so good. You don't even know because she's being quiet. Yeah, <laughs> Sylvie. No, so nice all those
0: Classic Sylvia right there.
2: (laughs)
1: Classic. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going.
2: So it's all these things like check by check by check. But at the end of the day, until you practice it, you're not going to start getting a groove of it. So practice makes perfect. But also, if you wanted to get a leg up, take improv classes. You know, take uh, stand-up comedy classes. Get in front of a microphone in a safe setting that also makes you think on your feet and makes you practice this idea of having an audience. Because then when you get behind a microphone – it becomes easier. You know, I listened to episode 1 of the Cultured podcast which was like baby Michelle as a podcaster, as a producer, like like nowhere near being a producer. I listened to episode 1 and I cringe, you know,
1: and but it's still on the feed and yeah. I
2: still honor the journey and I honor that growth.
1: Yo. I love that. That's <laughs> that that just gave me the boost I needed for talking too loud. <laughs> Good. Because we might listen back, Savage, we might listen back and like, we might not love everything we hear. Yes, But, but in the spirit of authenticity, and also, yeah, something we were talking about last week, which was like not being afraid to fail, and like mm-hmm. learning from that failure. We're gonna keep that on the feed.
0: Yeah. we gonna... keep it all. huge. Yeah, I think you have that's to look huge. back at that early stuff and cringe. Because if you didn't, you didn't get any better, right? Like, I feel like that's like the right. classic. I totally agree with you on that. It's it's so funny, too. Like, right. that this podcast is called Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. Because when we were talking about how can I stay authentic, like, I'm I'm also a famously loud person. I can't stop <laughs> oh, myself. And, you know, <laughs> to the degree I've been called out so many times for being too loud. It just happens. It happens with my children. Happens all, it happens all the time. And we realize Same. that the things that get me talking too loud are those things that I care a lot about like entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. really solving hard problems, like people doing really interesting creative work. And the whole the whole goal of the setup was like, let's just get this uh, as authentic as possible. But I also have, it makes me have a question for you. Like you obviously like to talk loud. What's getting you talking too loud right now?
2: Oh, my God. Oh, boy. So much. Um, so I think to put it simply to like, to put it simply is humankind's Unbelievable penchant for division and war against ourselves and each other and You know, the reason I short-circuited because I started thinking about, like, black lives, black people in this country, indigenous people in the U.S., immigration rights across the world, even the fact that we have national boundaries that are completely invented by human beings, that we're, like, saying we can shut down when it's a planet that we're borrowing. Like, there's so much division. And women's rights, you know, like— Just the fact that it can be so hard to be a woman and especially a woman of color. And, you know, already I've had (laughs) three instances in just over a year and a half where white men have tried to co-opt and take credit for what I am building three times. And it is and I have to continue And I have to persist. And that is me being a non-black, non-brown woman of color, you know, white passing Latina and even that. So I can't even imagine what our brown and black brothers and sisters go through. And... I think it just all comes down to homo sapiens. Like, if you've ever read the book Sapiens, I think context is everything. I'm big on context. Whether you're shooting me an email that's like, hey, do you have five minutes for a phone call? I'm like, for why? For whom? For what? For who? (laughs) How? Like, give me some context. (laughs) Because I typically don't have five minutes, but I can make them, (laughs) you know? so. Or be it context for why do we seek so much destruction as a human species, you know? And the book Sapiens gives some background that I won't get into because it's just, let's not be that tangential, Michelle. But, like, I think that's what has me talking too loud all the time and has for years is, like, why are we so against harmony And I think the answer is we are all these gushing wounds walking around and instead of like tending to our own wounds, we seek to create wounds in others so that we don't feel so bad about our gushing wounds and that creates a world of wounds.
0: Wow, that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. But I but th- but I, but I hear you, and I think it's, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about Black Lives Matter. I've been thinking a lot about the protests, and I've been thinking about the context of the pandemic, in that, like, we've all been shut inside, you know, and we're really, we're not supposed to see anyone. We're not supposed to see our family. We're not supposed to see our mm-hmm. friends. We're outside wearing masks, which, like, creates this layer of removal, right? Yeah. But then we have the largest protests we've ever had, then people out there really changing right. awareness and, like... You know, trying to wake people up, and as a as a white cis man, I am obviously someone with a ton of privilege, but it definitely has me thinking differently and reading different things and spending time on different things. And I think it probably does for a lot of people. And I'm like, yeah, it seems we've reached
2: critical mass. It feels like we've
0: reached critical mass. I also think to myself, like, I don't know that this could have happened in this way if the pandemic wasn't happening.
2: That's the perfect way to put it. And you know, that actually. Something I've, I've realized is that because of the pandemic, which I totally agree with you, this this quarantine, the lockdowns, the isolation are stripping us down and creating this, like, very raw, authentic version of ourselves because we don't have all of these structures. Like, I am sitting on my bed in my bedroom talking to you via video, like, hi, nice to meet you. Welcome to my sacred space. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay. And I'm, like, totally chill with it now. Now, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, now. Four months into it. <laughs> right. 30 minutes yeah. into it. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) No, I... But it is. It's stripping us raw, and it's and it's stripping us into our full humanity is 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 what I'm seeing for a lot of people. And so all of a sudden, when you start tapping into your full humanity and not just the facades of who you think you are or want to present to the world, you realize that, like, oh, my God, these are my brothers and sisters. This is my human family. And all of a sudden, that stops sounding so woo-woo spiritual and just kind of, like, factual, yeah. which it is. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I just – I think that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of healing and lessons to be learned from the tension of this moment. And what you said reminds me of the fact that I think that you know there's this um quant- in quantum physics there's this theory that everything in the universe, what we consider past, present, and future, and across multiple dimensions, is folded in on itself and is happening all at the same exact moment. Everything on Earth, in the known universe is, exact, is, is happening right now, right? And so it kind of – it. I know, that's <laughs> – That's just blew my It's mind-blowing, mind-blowing. yeah. It's physics. mind-blowing, but – Physics. Physics, and I love it. But it's mind-blowing, <laughs> but it also – it's something that while I've read a lot about it, I've never been able to, like, wrap my tiny little human brain around what that means – except now i'm starting to like get hints of everything existing at once in a very like human <laughs> context right experiencing what feels like more division and tension than ever before and yet coming together yeah and experiencing tastes of what it means to be harmonious more than ever before it's all happening at once
0: yeah, I agree. We're living through a, such an intense time and it's like yeah. and an acceleration of so many different yes. things at once, right? Like it's it's like the great the great pause and it's the great acceleration, right? Like, yeah. wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, you know, it's funny, just like going back to a topic, which I have another question, on, <laughs> which is like, I'm like, how do I transition from this? Yeah, well, I guess we're going to go the meta version and say it out loud. I think one of the other things the pandemic has shown us right like Wistia a video company, we make tons of videos, we make video shows, we do all this stuff. Guess what? mostly can't do that in the pandemic. <laughs> and we're making a lot of audio now. We're making a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you're seeing the audio boom right now. And like, what do you think is going to happen from this? And how do you think uh, podcasting is going to evolve because of the pandemic? Like, do you see things that are accelerating change here?
2: You know, I have no idea. This is this is an incredibly challenging time because I can't do the kind of forecasting or foreshadowing that I used to be able to. It is planning in itself just on a day-to-day basis, even for production is almost futile. You know, we're like, okay, it looks like next week will be a slower week. And then it's like the busiest week. And then, you know, it's, there's constant change, constant shifts. So I won't even try to guess where this is going, um, but rather try to flow and be agile enough to pivot through it and at least be open enough with my intuition to catch glimpses of it and be able to parse those out as they come. What I will say is that it's a great time for audio, but we are a client service company, so we serve clients. And clients pay for their podcasts out of their marketing budgets. And marketing budgets are incredibly impacted through any kind of economic crisis. So, you know... (laughs) It's a double edged sword because podcasts are one of the most affordable and impactful and effective marketing tools you can have. So, in some cases, people are, you know, <laughs> killing their billboard or even programmatic. Uh, media budgets and shifting them into podcasting, which is what I highly recommend, but I'm also very biased. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I highly recommend from a totally unbiased perspective that you shift all of your budget to me. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> you know,
2: but on the other hand, the people who have who have the largest or I don't know, it, they're also just like slashing marketing budgets across the board. So, it's a total it's a totally I never imagined that being a startup <laughs> founder an a-, a year and a half later I'd be trying to navigate an unprecedented time for in human history yeah. period. Yep. Human history unprecedented period. Yep. And not to mention I'm an anti-capitalism capitalist. So, not only am I trying to navigate this period of time, I'm trying to navigate it while also remaining true to my future vision of creating a company that redefines what it means to have a team and to pay people and to make revenue and profit and build wealth in an equitable way. So I'm I'm at a loss of how to answer your question other than like rut row. Got it.
0: <laughs> well, tell me what you mean by anti-capitalist capitalist.
2: Yeah. So basically – I am a participant in capitalism because that is the system that we have in this country for corporations um, to make a profit and build. I'm leading a heart-centered and human-centered company. That is completely in opposition with capitalism, completely. Capitalism is neither heart-centered nor is it human-centered. You know, we've said for so many years, it's just business. It's not personal. What What does that mean, Chris? What does that mean? (laughs) And so when people are like, it's just business, I'm like, which is created, run, driven by, served by humans? Totally. (laughs) You know? So yeah, I think that's what it means to be an anti-capitalism capitalist, is that I'm engaged in the system because I have to be, but I'm actively trying to dismantle it at every
0: every turn. Interesting. Because I think of it as like, at least what I'm trying to do is like conscious capitalism in terms of like, Mm -hmm. there's a... There's a lot of, like, when you are only maximizing shareholder value, which, like, is one of the things you can be sued for. It's, like, not maximizing shareholder value, which is insane. You don't get to pay attention to any other stakeholders. And the way we think about it, one of the reasons that Wistia is private and, like, we don't want to go public and also why we want independence is because we get to take care of, like, our customers in a different way. We get to take care of our team and our community. And, like, we actually, and I agree with you completely, like, starting an actual for-profit business and growing it and investing in it, it gives you the ability to dictate like who you hire and how you spend mm-hmm. your money and how you give things away. But it is interesting. Like I paid close attention to the um, the B Corp work. I don't know how closely you've been following that and and know some friends. Not
2: closely, but I'm aware of it and I'm very interested It's pretty
0: cool. I mean, basically it's saying that you have other stakeholders that you're holding yourself Mm -hmm. accountable to. It's it's more been used today and like a lot of like consumer goods use it because like people will vote with their values more and more.
2: Like isn't the Honest Company a B Corp? They're a B
0: Corp. Patagonia, I believe is a B Corp. And you know, Patagonia is a good example, I think, of this where they basically, they try to make products that last forever. And they, the Patagonia does the most clothing repair of any other organization in the world, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, because if your jacket that's has a rip amazing. in it, you send it in, they'll fix it for you. But the interesting thing, of course, is that that's actually better for their business to do that. Like it's a differentiator. Right. El- but that's yeah. the
2: thing is, I think the misconception is that profit suffers when you place attention on communities and humanity and and the people who work to build that company altogether. And that's actually not at all the case. Like, I'm not (laughs) anti-profit, you know? And we are, in fact, a profitable company. From day one, we've been profitable. And, you know, a good example of what it means to be human-centered with a corporation, you know, I just saw on Instagram, somebody was like, down with all corporations. And I was like, first of all, you have a corporation. Um, second of all, I have a corporation, so please know, um, it's like not, it's not anti-corporation, although that's what we call it in the capitalist system, right? It is, you know, I think, um, having businesses and being able to build something in that way is a beautiful thing. And what I've seen is like, I had a team member join our team call just yesterday who was not doing great. And she had a family emergency and she still joined the team call and she was like, You know, she shared what she had just found out about a family member. And I was like, what are you doing on this stupid team call? This does not matter in comparison to what you have going on in your life. Get off the call. You let us know what your boundaries are and we will honor them. And that's it. The person comes first. We are working to make money to live. And and what we can't do as business owners and entrepreneurs is forget that. I think perspective and context, just like I said earlier, is everything. And to, to act like producing podcasts is more important than a human being's wellness and overall mental health. It is so diluted and
0: disconnected. Well, it's just super short term, right? Because I think to your point, like, there, one of the other things happening with the pandemic is everyone's remote working, and I think every company is being forced to figure it out, which then is going to, on the other side of this, right? We're not going to go back to like everything's just normal in person. It's going to be like, yes, there's going to be some companies, organizations that need to be in person. But my guess is that all of the, all of the best ones are going to have to be incredibly remote friendly. And I'm, I'm hopeful that, like, it actually will create more competition, which will be good for employees, and they won't be as limited to whatever town you happen to have grown up in. You know, we are clearly living in a time where everyone is becoming more and more informed about, like, the injustices that exist, the systemic racism, all of these different things, like how capitalism works, like all of this, um, right. and that people can have more choice.
2: I totally agree. And I think what we're seeing also, to piggyback on that, is that, Capitalism and how it's been structured has pitted employers and employees against each other so that there has been a fundamental lack of trust. And I think that's what we have been seeing in this move to remote. Because when your employees are left to do whatever they want, whenever they want, you have to trust them. Mm-hmm. That's the secret sauce, right? And so a flexible workplace is fundamentally indicative of an employer and an employee having a trusting relationship with one another and having built such a safe space together that the employee's like, well, duh, I'm going to do my work. And the employer's like, well, duh, you're going to do your work and I don't have to micromanage you to do it. So, you know, I think trust is something that a lot of large corporations that weren't allowing flexible workplaces is... It's now something they are having to reckon with and deal with and think about.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think like Uh, remote working removes the micromanagement and it does have to sometimes sometimes it should it should be obvious where people were micromanaging and it needs that baseline of trust wait (laughs) I have
2: one more thing and I want to get your take I actually like now that I have you Chris I want to get your take because this is what I'm thinking about doing and I actually don't know if it's right but it feels right so along with that equitable pay structure where where right now it's hourly rates because we're all contractors and so it's like you know this base level is $25 per hour then the next Level up is this much. Mm-hmm. Then the next level up is this much, and it and it increases by like manager, managing people, uh, director, managing department, executive, managing multiple things, <laughs> everything. Yeah. But then, so there isn't really like individual salary increases in this model. There are no ranges. There is no negotiation. But it's all tied to profit sharing, so that as we all grow as a company and the company makes more money, we all make
0: more money. What do you think about that? So structure? I think a couple things you know, we as a tech company, we had stock options for a long time. That's how I thought was the best way to compensate Mm -hmm. people because I didn't know any better. And especially the early people who joined Wistia, we, you know, we didn't have the cash to pay them a full salary. So we gave them equity. But then we did Mm -hmm. this buyback a few years ago, whereas like we sold the company. And what that meant is that everyone got to sell their options. And so we got people a return, but We felt like to have people really tied into the success of the business going forward, we want to introduce profit sharing. So we switched into profit sharing in 2018, and it's basically based on your salary. So it's. I don't know how you're thinking of doing the profit sharing exactly. But because mm-hmm. we audit everyone's salaries, make sure that everyone's paid equitably. And we also look at tenure and stuff. And that's not a there isn't like a tenure factor in salary, it's just a market rate. So you could have been here for 10 years and have grown to some level, or you could be here for two months and grown to the same level, you're gonna get the same salary. And then the we have a pool of profit sharing that basically looks like a It ends up at the end of the year looking like a bonus that is tied to each person's salary. So if you earn more of your bonus, you have a larger share. And that Mm -hmm. allows us to pay people equitably, but tied into the impact of the business, reward, seniority, and experience if it turns into you know, a job that has like a higher market rate. Mm-hmm. So very similar in a lot of ways. The different. How does that go? It's gone amazing. It's been yeah. so great.
1: Listen to how loud he's talking. Nick. Yeah,
0: I'm talking loud. <laughs> it, it's it, But it's funny. It was like before this, we would do, we've always been open books at Wistia and like share how the business is doing on a monthly Ugh, basis. It's
2: so important. It's
0: really yeah. important, especially when you're afraid to share the numbers. That's when it's actually oh, yeah. most important. Mm-hmm. But we used to, to show the numbers and like, here's the revenue and here's our expenses or whatever. And then we'd say, are there any questions? And there would be no, there would be never any questions because the numbers, they, you just, at some point you get removed because you're like, if the business is doing $3 million and you're like, well, did I didn't make $3 million? Like how much of an impact? Did I? It's very, it's very easy to be removed. Oh my God, yeah. So people stopped mm-hmm. asking questions. Once we introduced profit sharing, and we started talking about those numbers. It was like, here are the numbers. Does anyone have any questions? Like half the hands of the room go up. And it's like, all right, what's your questions? And it's the questions were like, why do, you know, this is back when we had two offices. And they're like, why do we have two offices? But we're really not using one of them. Like we should be subletting wow. it. When I was like thinking to myself, yes, we should. But the fact that wow. someone on the team is suggesting that, it's incredible. And then we had people who were saying like engineers who said, hey, I think, uh, I think we could probably reduce some of our costs like in hosting all of our customers' data. Like if you just give us a month, we're like, okay. And then like, because we never asked wow. them to, stuff like that left and right. And it just, now everyone basically working at Wistia because we're open book, because of the profit sharing, basically means you learn... How a business works because you you want to, so you can understand your impact and your role in it. So it's it's been incredible. Thank you
2: for sharing that. That was actually really, really helpful as I try to wrap my head around. And I think it's it's cool to to have this conversation because I think it shows that like when you set out to start a business, you don't have all the answers. In fact, you have pretty much zero answers. And you start just like following your gut and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't. And I also know from firsthand experience of trying to navigate this myself right now is like how much effort and thought and legal fees (laughs) it takes to put that structure together. And I commend you on that. You know, just the fact that people are, are raising their hands and offering suggestions means that they feel invested in the business, means that they feel a part of it. There's no more disconnect. They aren't just there to continue making money, blah, 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 blah. They're there to see the business succeed because they're tied to it. That is, you know, that's that's a beautiful interconnection that you've created. And also think about the fact that, just think about what it what it alludes to. The fact that in order to build a more equitable, fair, trusting and non-toxic workplace it takes so much effort yeah that's why i'm anti-capitalism capitalist because in order to do the things that feel right and feel human you have to break the rules how crazy is that
0: yeah it's insane it's crazy (sighs) well look Michelle, this is amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for talking too loud. It's so clear that you did. You really let it go today. As I, did I. I really did.
2: And I like backed away from the mic because I've learned to do that. You know, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to peak.
0: We'll, we'll do what we can to get that cryo chamber for you.
2: Oh, thanks. Okay. Uh, stat, please. Okay.
0: <laughs> See ya. Michelle Corey, that was fun. That was awesome.
1: She's a badass. She's a badass.
0: You know, it's there's it's I my what I mean there's a lot to love about in that conversation if I can say so myself. But <laughs> the um, I think the thing that like was really cool was she was so authentic. And before we even started recording, she was exactly that same person and Michelle just has that ability to like get herself there and clearly get other people there too.
1: Yeah. And I love, well, here's some kiddos. That's, that's great because this is keeping happening real. in real time. Yeah. Keep, keeping it authentic, you know, yeah. keeping it authentic. I also, I liked what she said about like how you, how you can sort of foster that authenticity, like doing improv, getting on stage, just like finding ways to be comfortable in your own skin in a public setting so that when you get behind that microphone, it's like, all right, I can do this. I can do this.
0: Well, yeah. And it was interesting with the Coke podcast that basically they have senior leaders on this podcast and they've been fueling each other by seeing how authentic the other folks have been.
1: Yeah. That was wild. I, that was, I was like, damn Coca-Cola. Okay. You, you're, you're getting really real. All right. You
0: even impressed Lebo.
1: <laughs> you know what's <laughs> awkward? What's awkward is I'm, I'm working on You're another, last, uh-huh. I'm working on another podcast where how I could you, how could I, <laughs> I know I very clearly say Sylvie Lubow. <laughs> so I guess I've chosen, I've chosen, I've chosen the pronunciation, but I still want to be LeBeau here. Like, can, can I have both? Can I have, yeah, it? can I have it you all?
0: You can, no, no cases of mistaken identity here.
1: Okay. <laughs> <Great. laughs> true but one time you ready for this one time i was at a party one time i was at a party and this guy walked over to me and he was like wow it's it's been years and i was like has it and he was like yeah i i I think since college and i was like (laughs) i just don't remember this guy and he's you know yammering on and on and like at some point I don't know because he never says the college he never says they're like no there's no contextual clues and at some point he's like Jessica and I'm like okay cool 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 my name is Sylvie it's so nice to meet you for the very first time so occasionally there is there is some mistaken identity I guess. I I guess. You know, it's funny.
0: It's funny you say that because like at the beginning of the pandemic, maybe like week three, week four, when people were like, actually, you should wear cloth masks. I got a mask and I was with my kids at like a grassy field, basically. And there was a house next to it, like a third story up. There's someone on a porch. So I have my mask on. And someone's like, Chris, Chris, (laughs) hey, Chris. And I was like, huh? And I looked up and I'm like, I do not recognize this person. The person's like, Chris, how are you? What's going on? I was like, um, he's like, your kids are here. What are you doing over here? And I was like, uh, I live down the street. He's like, you moved? When did you move? It's <laughs> like, um, three years ago. And he goes, huh? <laughs> and I pulled on my mask and the guy goes, oh, you're not the Chris I thought I knew. And I was like, oh my God, like what is happening? Like <gasps> Holy there was in- shit. It was like probably the second time I wore a mask. I was, someone mistook me for another Chris with kids. With kids. With <laughs> yes. kids. And, and the embarrassment on this guy's face when I took the mask down was unreal. It was so crazy. He was so vibrant and full of life. And then he realized I was not the Chris he was looking for. <laughs> it like and, instantly and, became a horror And he was just like, movie. he looked dead. Yeah, he just looked horrible. And I was like, well, um, how are you guys doing? And he's like, um... Uh, we're good uh, I'm so sorry but also imagine I'm speaking three stories up to someone so it's quite loud like obviously anyone walking by can hear this it was absolutely oh, insane
1: that is rich I like that yeah pandemic man
0: it's, it's effed up this whole thing well good luck with your apartment search I hope that uh, I hope that people can discover and learn that your last name really should be pronounced Lebeau as I pronounce it
1: as you do, as you say. As you say. And hopefully our listeners can uh, check out Frequency. In the yeah. Meantime.
0: Definitely check it out.
1: Cool. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Adam's like, no.
0: He's like, no, bye. Like, he doesn't like that.
1: <laughs> Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia. Hosted by Chris Savage. Produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Josh Solarski. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.